Well, hello there, wonderful teachers. I want to invite you to an event we're doing this summer. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio, so you have to be able to make it there, but it might be worth traveling for if you're able to. It's happening on July 20th and 21st, so that's over a weekend, and it's going to be the best two days for teachers. We're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to learn a lot about pedagogy and creative teaching and business. We have two fabulous guest speakers and we're even going to finish with an optional Kaylee. That's an Irish dancing party. So I hope you'll be able to join me. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo that's dot com slash t-u-r-b-o 24 the numbers two four. I hope you'll check it out view all the details there and I hope to see you in Cincinnati in July. On with the episode. Vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for, for music, music teachers. This is the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and today we're talking about preemptive theory. Well, hello, beautiful teachers, and welcome to the first episode of 2023. Oh my gosh, it's a new year. And I thought it would be perfect to kick off the new year with an episode that's kind of long overdue. So the lovely Joanna, who's on our team, she's one of the editors, she pointed out to me at some point last year, or she asked me very politely, I'm sure, (laughs) Whether we had a podcast or blog post that talked about preemptive theory, I realized we didn't, which was so odd because it's something we talk about inside the membership all the time. If you're a Vibrant Music Teaching member, you probably will have heard me bring this up, especially as part of like the welcome course when you first join. But I realized it wasn't talked about outside of the membership. So let me introduce it to you if you haven't met this concept of mine before. This term is something I made up, so if you haven't heard it elsewhere, that's why I made it up. I call it preemptive music theory, and I want to start by telling you about the opposite, which is the all-at-once approach. So the standard way to approach music theory in music lessons, the way most of us grew up learning about music, is to introduce the new concept, the new term, the new symbol, as and when it comes up in a piece that the student is learning. This doesn't have to be turn page teaching, but it often goes alongside that. It's where the concept comes up in a piece, say, forte or something simple like that in a beginner method book. And we say, hey, this is this is F stands for forte. It means play loud. So we need to play this piece loudly. This kind of just in time learning, it does make a certain kind of sense. The student will be able to put the new concept into action right away and make it feel directly relevant because it's part of the music that they're learning immediately. This logic does follow all the way through when we're learning other skills. For example, I don't see any point in learning everything about a certain software and all its menus when you first start using it. You know those manuals you get? They're often on sale in the bookshops still now that are like, Even the For Dummies manuals or one similar to that, where it's supposed to be everything about this particular software. And no shade if that is how you like to learn about software, but for me that makes no sense. (laughs) 
If I'm learning new software or how to do something new with software I currently use, such as Adobe Illustrator or InDesign, I look it up when I need it and then I use it right away and then it sticks, at least to a certain degree, because I've put it into action. This is the same logic, I think, that this all-at-once approach to music learning comes from. But I think this all starts to fall apart when we really unpack it and we consider how much newness there is in most new music concepts. They are not one new thing. Forte is a simpler example, and we probably get away with that one. But let's take introducing staccato to a student. So we're asking them to recognize the symbol, learn the new term, staccato, perform the physical action needed for this articulation, and here's the big one, the clincher, also read a brand new piece of music, which is probably still challenging for them if they're only at the level of learning about staccato. And we're asking them to do all of those at once. Do you see the issue I have with this? I'm not saying we can never, ever teach a new concept this way, so please don't think that I'm giving out about your method of teaching if you ever do this. But this is a lot. We need to recognize that. Introducing all of these things at the same time is a lot, especially in the context of a new piece where they also need to learn to read the new piece, what it sounds like, the intervals in it, the rhythm required, the coordination required from their hands. Kids and adults alike, I find, get more easily frustrated with themselves when they play wrong notes than when they click on the wrong thing and have to undo work on a computer. So that's where the parallel with the software and learning all the menus versus learning one thing at a time as you need it falls apart. Music, rightly or wrongly, tends to have a certain weightiness, a certain sense of blame that other new skills just don't. Plus, there is no undo key, right? So to allow for smoother sailing, less self-recrimination and more fun all around, I like to preempt theory rather than letting it happen all at once. So this is where I get to my term preemptive music theory. If I was to come up with a definition for this or a guideline, what I mean is that students should meet a concept, symbol or term away from the piano before they are asked to play a piece that uses it. How much before depends on the particular concept and what we're doing. So my goal is that students are introduced to a new concept for the first time, say two to eight weeks before the method book has that little info box where it pulls out the new concept or term or symbol. I've given you a big range there, two to eight weeks. For most things, I think two weeks out is great. Okay, the longer time frame is especially for things that are more complex or have many new elements grouped together, like the grand staff, intervals, seconds and thirds initially, and landmark notes, etc. Those things that have a lot of things together, but we kind of call it one thing, like the whole grand staff. Well, introducing that like four to six weeks before they actually read on the staff, I think is ideal. And again, interval recognition. Introducing that like four weeks before they start actually reading on the staff using intervals is excellent in my view. Now let's take a little detour because you might be wondering, what about sound before symbol? So you may think I'm running contrary to this common musical advice or I would say almost gospel to some people of sound before symbol. 
You might agree that introducing the symbol term, action, and reading pieces all at the same time isn't the right way to go about things. But you might think that I've chosen the wrong thing to preempt. You might think I've got it a bit backwards, in other words. But I'm not actually contradicting sound before symbol. I think we should do that as well. <laughs> I'm not saying we shouldn't preempt the sound as well. So the ideal scenario, to make it clearer, goes something like this. Months before meeting a musical concept, the student hears it and moves to it and discusses it in their own words. Weeks before seeing a concept in a written piece, the student improvises using that articulation, sound or technique. Also weeks before seeing it on the page, the student plays a game or does a manipulative-based activity to see the new symbol, term or concept. Then the student finally gets to a written piece that uses it and they greet it as a friend as they embed it in the world of music reading. It's just now baked into the world of reading a piece of music, but they've already met it elsewhere. Both the sound of it, the feeling of it on the piano, and what it looks like. So does it always look like that? Is it always exactly months that they listen to it and weeks that they both see it, improvise with it? No, I'm not saying that I can stick to this for everything or that that would even be the ideal. We teach humans, okay, not robots. And we are not robots or perfect either. But I think having an ideal scenario in mind can help shape the general trajectory that students move through. Doing this even with some concepts, some of the things we teach, or some of this with most concepts, can go an enormous way. So that's what it is. If you believe that this sounds like an interesting concept at least, or are fully on board and you really wish you could put it into practice, but you're thinking, how do I plan for this? I will first say that honestly, it gets easier over time. I can do this almost automatically because I have a feeling for when a student is roughly a few months or a few weeks out from a certain concept. You're not there yet if you just started working this way. Two different ways to get going with this are, first of all, the roadmaps inside Vibrant Music Teaching. So in the membership, if you're a member, there's an area called Roadmaps. And if you haven't checked it out already, you really should because it's many members' favorite feature. We have a full roadmap for all of the games. So it's all laid out in a suggested order of teaching if you were to teach one student all of the games, which I don't think you should. But we also have separate ones for Piano Safari, Piano Adventures, Piano Pronto and My Thinking Theory Workbooks. So if you use one of those methods already and you're a member, you just need to go to that roadmap and look ahead a couple of steps in the roadmap and play one of those games this week. That's it. You can literally keep working that way and you will start to preempt at least some of the music theory concepts that are going to come up for your students. You can also use that roadmap while you're at it to reinforce concepts going back or work on the concepts that are currently in their pieces. But it's a great way to get started just to aim to preempt some of the concepts that are going to come up. Now, if you are not a member, you're not in a position to become a member of Vibrant Music Teaching, or you just don't use any of those methods, then you're going to have to make your own roadmap. The trick with big changes like this is to take it one step at a time. So start with just one student who is in a method book at the moment. 
Method books are the simplest. I'm not saying that's the only time you can use preemptive music theory, but it is the simplest way to get going with it. So choose one student who's in a method book, preferably a method book you see yourself using again in the future. And then look three pieces ahead from where they are right now in their method book and find where a new concept is next introduced there. Then find a game or activity or little movement drill to teach that concept, whatever's relevant. You can search on Pinterest if you're stuck for ideas or look on our blog. Do that this week. And then you can keep going with this. And you can start writing a list of where the new concepts come up in the book, what game or activity you use to teach that concept so that you have it for future reference. But you'll also find that your brain will start working this way over time. Pretty soon, or in a few years maybe, you won't even need to think about it at all. It'll just be part of what you do. Your one thing this week is to try this with one student for one concept that's coming up for them in about three or four weeks. I hope you enjoyed this first episode of the new year if you're listening in real time and this exploration of what I call preemptive music theory. If you have thoughts on this, please come find me on Instagram. We're at Colorful Keys and I would love to chat to you there. Vibrant Music Teaching Membership costs less than the price of one lesson each month. That is totally worth it for all of the courses, games, resources, downloadables, printables that you can get access to as a member, as well as a fabulous community support you'll find inside. Go to vmt.ninja and become part of the revolution. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I hope you loved it and I wanted to pop on here one more time to remind you about our event. It's happening in Cincinnati this July and you can get all the details at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. See you there.